0: This is Blue Wire. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Press Coverage Podcast. I am your host, former NFL and AFL defensive back Eric Crocker, and, and like I start off every episode, if you're not already following the Press Coverage Podcast on Twitter, it's at Press Cov Podcast. Also, follow my main Twitter account at Eric underscore Crocker. Now, today, what I want to start, we got a jam packed show. There's a bunch of things I want to get to. And there's one thing that I wanted to start off with because I kind of went on a rant earlier today on Twitter and it was this guy, uh, I guess I should just mention his name. I I didn't mention his name on Twitter, but I'll mention it uh, here on the podcast. Mike Florio, he's from PFT Live and I I really don't don't follow him or I I don't really listen to him. Uh, I, I listen to Chris Sims a lot, and Chris Sims, as you guys know, he just went from Bleacher Report to, I don't even know what he's on now, but I know he's on, he does all these different things, he does does all these different shows, these different podcasts, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of Chris Sims, uh, you know, his uh, football content that he talks about and stuff like that, I just think it's awesome, well he has a show with Mike Florio, and I don't know how PFT Live does this thing, but sometimes it's like both of them. Sometimes it's only Mike Florio or whatever. Well, I was driving to my, my daughter's birthday was this weekend. and So I'm driving to Sacramento and I pretty much just start running out of podcasts to listen to. So I, so I listen to this PFT Live with Mike Florio and he gets to talking about uh Derek Carr, and if you guys aren't familiar with what Derek Carr recently said, uh, I I didn't see like the you know, press conference or anything like that. I I just kind of heard a little bit of what he said, and, and basically what he was saying was, "I'm the Raiders' quarterback, and I'm going to be here until I don't want to be here anymore." It was something along those lines, and Mike Florio and uh, other people too, not not just him, but they they felt like. Derek Carr, you shouldn't be the one saying that, <laughs> all right? You should not be the one saying that right now. You're, you're not in good standing. The Raiders were, you know, looking at rookies and people were talking about, you know, trading him and he hasn't played well the last couple of years. So he shouldn't be saying that. And, and they might be right. They might be right. Well, Mike Florio tweeted something about it and Derek Carr blocked him, which is fine. All right. Derek Carr blocked him. And mm, is he sensitive? Eh, yeah, but maybe. I don't know. Whatever. All right. Now, this is where I started to have an issue with what Florio was saying. So he said, OK, he blocked me. Um, why would he block me? Uh, he's he needs to have thicker skin than that. He's he's being sensitive, yada, yada. yada. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you kind of have a point. And then he said, well, I was on Twitter and people were saying, well, Florio, you block people all the time, too. And, you know, you can't basically be a hypocrite and his defense to that was well yeah i I block people but i'm not making 25 million dollars a year and i'm not an nfl quarterback so it shouldn't really matter if i block people or not i don't have to have thick skin like a quarterback does he has people screaming at him you know uh thousands and thousands of people in the stadium screaming at him and saying all these different things. He needs to have thicker skin. That's when I got got an issue, and it kind of started off a rant, all right? I want to start by saying professional athletes are regular people. They're regular people, all right? I I know, you know, we see them on TV. They make good money. We hold them to this higher standard. But at the end of the day, they are regular-ass people. And as a man, how do you... And this is when I started having an issue with it. As a man, how do you hold another man to a higher standard than you do yourself? And and if that's how you view things, because, oh, well, this this man makes more money than me, so he should hold himself to a higher standard? No. That's really a, a bum-ass, like, Thought process, like I, I, I don't even know how someone like thinks to to say that. NFL players, NBA players, you know, MLS, MLB, they put their pants on just like you and I. They put their shoes on just like you and I. They are normal people. When things aren't, when they're having a bad day, they're having a bad day just like you and I. The only difference is, they have more money. And if you remember, you know, with the wise, wise words of Biggie Smalls are more money, more problems. So money don't even fix everything. How how a grown man holds another grown man to a higher standard than he does himself, that's, that's beyond me. So I had a huge issue with that. And, you know, I just kind of got to thinking about how, you know, I see Twitter trolls and all this and um, people... When the, when the athlete responds, when the professional athlete responds, the, the thing I see most is, well, he shouldn't care. He's a professional. Why shouldn't he care? Why shouldn't he care? Nobody likes to see people saying things about them, especially if I feel it's false. If somebody's coming at Eric Crocker, they're coming at me, and they're like, oh, Eric Crocker, you yada, 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 and they're like saying false things about me, I'm going to care. Now, I'm not saying Florio was saying something false, but he blocked you. Okay, he didn't care for what you said, just like, you know, what Florio was saying. Florio said, I block people if they disagree with me or if I don't like something they say. That's what he said. If if somebody doesn't agree with him or they don't like what he said and, and he doesn't like what they, he blocks them. So Derek Carr did the same thing. He didn't like what you said and he blocked you. And that should be the end of it, but it shouldn't be, well, he, he should he should hold himself to a higher standard because he makes more money. Than, no. Is that the type of stuff we teach our kids? I would never teach my kid that. Money doesn't define you. Money shouldn't define you. And if money does define you, then there's something wrong there. I'm getting worked out right now, so I think I'm going to move on from this Mike Florio thing, but I, I, you know... You never know what somebody's going through. Everybody's human. You know, I touched on it on the last podcast episode about, you know, my father passing and, ha- and the effect that it had on me. And anyone that knows me, I mean, I do this podcast because I love talking about sports. Right. I love talking about sports. You guys see me on Twitter. I love interacting. I, love, I can talk about f- sports 24-7. When my dad died, sports was not important to me. Football was not important to me. I was on the New York Jets. Being on the New York Jets was not important to me. Those meeting rooms with Rex Ryan standing there telling me, I couldn't tell you half the stuff he said once training camp hit because I wasn't focused on it. I I was somewhere else because my dad died. I was going through something. I was going through something. And people expect professional athletes to be robots. They're not robots. They are just like you and I. So if someone in your family you know, is going through something, we – Solomon Thomas, Solomon Thomas of the 49ers, his sister just committed suicide and Solomon Thomas didn't have the best year. He talked about it. You know, he said it. This is the worst year I ever had, you know, playing football. Well, you lost your sister and that was his best friend. And you could tell, you know, with all the stuff that he's doing now, trying to be active in the community of, you know, and trying to prevent suicide and all these different things. He had a hard time with it, and now he's trying to work through it. It's extremely hard to focus when you have something like that going on, but you never know what's going on in these dudes' lives. And at the end of the day, they're just like you and I. Well, I was one of them, but now everybody's human. We shouldn't hold anybody else to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. So that's all I'm going to say on that. Now, the next thing I want to talk about... Rookies and OTAs, all right? These rookie guys, specifically three. I'll I'll talk about three. I I don't know how many guys have gotten hurt, but I know these three have, and it might be something that's going on around the league, okay? You have Nick Bosa, Quentin Williams, Josh Allen, three prominent rookies that are expected to make big impacts their rookie seasons uh, and contribute to their football teams that they were drafted to. They were all drafted in the top 10. Uh, Bosa at 2, yeah, Quentin Williams at 3, and Josh Allen, I believe, at 7 to the Jaguars. Well, these guys all kind of got a little banged up the first week of OTAs. Now, OTAs, there are several uh, stages to, to OTAs. just like stage 1, stage 2, stage 3, all right? If you're a rookie, you miss stage one and two. And you're, you're not going to come in to OTAs and be 100% uh, on the same physical level as these guys who have been uh, training for over a month now, b- preparing their body for OTAs. Rookies have been preparing for the Combine. You know, you're, you're not really being asked to do a whole lot of football things. You're preparing for a 40-yard dash. You're preparing for a vertical jump. You're doing bench press, you know, preparing to get tested for the, the bench press and the and the broad jump and, and field drills. But you're not really building up your body and your muscles and preparing them for OTAs to go up in combat against, an NFL veteran of seven years who's been preparing for the last month or so. I think that's a big reason to why some of these injuries are are happening. So you you have a Nick Bosa who all of a sudden I'm looking across and I see I'm 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 on the same line as DeForest Buckner. I'm on the same line as D. Ford, and I'm watching them go through drills and they're going full speed. Well, I'm the number two pick and. You got all these 49 media pe- people watching. I want to impress them. I want to impress my teammates. I want to impress my coaches on, on film. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go 100% as well, right? I'm going to give everything I got so I can look good. You guys made the right pick. And in the process of that, these guys are going down with some injuries, and they might be minor, but now is missing a pivotal part of his rookie development. Is there a different way that they can go about, you know, this whole rookie, um, you know, going to OTAs? Maybe you have the rookies do something else so they can prepare their body. And then maybe the last for the last mini camp, there's a mini camp coming up, I'm sure, in the next uh, week or so. In the next week or so, there's going to be a a mini camp or next two weeks, whatever. Uh, Prepare the rookies for that. And once they get now okay now they can they can uh they can go full go, but right now you know you're drafted you know late April, and then come the second week of may, you're expected expected to be in the same type of physical condition as these n f l veterans who have been doing this for a long time now, a few months now preparing their bodies for this moment. It's not the same preparing your body for, to get ready for OTAs and mini camps and all that as it is a combine. So I think there's something that needs to be fixed there. I'd like you guys to kind of, um, after you guys listen to this comment and, and, you know, do you guys have any suggestions? My suggestion would be don't include rookies in uh, the on-field stuff with OTAs. Continue to build their body where they're off to the side and get them ready for a mini camp, which is like the last thing they do in June before they head out uh, for offseason off-season workout and then uh, get ready for training camp. So that's my proposal. I just wanted to touch on some of these rookies because it's kind of, I see them getting banged up and I'm like, man, this is not a good start to your career. Being a 49er fan over the last few years has been very difficult. Now, now one thing that this new regime keeps doing is they draft a guy who played one position in college and... They stick him at a totally different position, so Tarvarius Moore, he was a safety at Southern Miss University, a cover four safety at that. When I watched him, there there was nothing really that you could see that said, "You know what? I think this guy would be a really good cornerback." <laughs> like there, there was nothing uh, aside from amazing pro day numbers. He ran a four, three, two, he did all his other stuff. He tested extremely well. But I'm more than testing. I I look at, I'm not a really big analytical guy. So I look at, how does this guy move? How's his technique? Can he improve on it? Does he have the right feet? Does he have good hips? Does he have nice change of direction? Can he read receivers down? Are the things that he lacks coachable? Can I teach him that? Or hmm, is he better off staying at safety? where he was actually pretty good. He was one of PFF's highest-graded safeties. And I don't put a whole lot of um, stock in everything. Like, PFF, to me, is not Bible. But I think that's, you know, sometimes something to go off of if you don't know or if if you haven't watched a guy. And he wasn't someone that I watched while he was in college. I didn't watch him until the 49ers drafted him. And I saw that they were drafting him to play cornerback, and I didn't quite understand it. Now, when I did see him finally step on the field and play cornerback, I saw someone that looked like a safety-playing corner, which is what he was, (laughs) a safety-playing corner, right? Um, He was so patient at the line of scrimmage, I couldn't tell if he had bad feet or if he's just super patient. And, yeah, I I think it was the the latter. I I think it was... uh, Heavy feet. Heavy feet. And, and you could tell that he he just wasn't super comfortable playing cornerback. And So once you drafted him third round, now you have to play this guy there. You have to play him at cornerback and you have to see it through. The The, the biggest thing that the 49ers have done is they've drafted guys and then you've seen uh, Ward, you know, Jimmy Ward, he started off at a slot corner. He was a safety in college. They drafted him. They put him at slot corner, which he kind of played more of a slot role in college. He was listed as safety, but he was pretty much kind of like a slot. So he played slot. And then they moved him to safety. And then they moved him to outside corner. And then they moved him back to safety and corner. And, I mean, he's just been all over the place. But he's never gotten, got to learn one position. And I feared that the 49ers p- could possibly do this with Tarvarius Moore. Now, the way the 49ers addressed the offseason, a lot of it was surrounded by Tarverius Moore. What is he? It was extremely difficult. A lot of people thought the 49ers were going to draft a cornerback high. So, nah, they're not going to draft a cornerback high because they just drafted Tarverius Moore third round, and they haven't really seen him play. Now, you've seen Akela Willispoon play, but you have not. And, you know, it's been... Uh, to most people, uh, up and down, and there's some people that are really down on them. Some people are that are higher. I'm one of the people that are higher on the Killer Witherspoon, but you, Tarver is more. He hasn't beaten out a Killer Witherspoon. Uh, when Witherspoon was uh, not playing as well, who they put at corner? They put at corner Jimmy Ward. Well, Jimmy Ward got hurt. Who they put at corner? They put Greg Maybin, uh undrafted rookie for Asian off like from. A year ago, they played all these people before they played Tarverius Moore. So to me, it's like, okay, is his development not going as planned? Maybe not, right? So this offseason comes and everybody's like, well, he needs to be playing free safety. He needs to be a single high. He has athleticism. That's his natural position. I, I haven't seen him play too much single high. It was really more of a cover four, which is like a pattern match type safety. Um, I did watch some of his ju- junior college highlights, I believe it was, and he was playing a little bit more single high safety, but he he was more of a cover four. Uh a little bit more on Tarverius Moore. Uh when he was drafted, I was listening to Joe Fan. He has his uh 40, he's the he's like the lead media person for the Forty ers Well I was listening to his podcast and he had Tarvarius Moore's coach on, his college coach. And his college coach was raving about him. Man, I think he's going to be so good in your guys' scheme. Single high safety. He's going to fly around. He's going to make plays. He's going to do all these awesome things. Well, Joe Fan had to break the news to him and say, you know what? Nah, they're going to play him at corner. And his coach's whole, like, you, you could just hear it in his voice. Like, why would you guys do that? He's not a corner. He's a safety. <laughs> and those weren't his exact words, but those are along, along the lines of what he said. Well, an injury just happened. Jimmy Ward, people call him Mr. Glass. I won't disrespect him like that. I feel bad for the guy. But he's been banged up a lot lately. So Jimmy Ward broke his collarbone. And people are looking like, well, they need to put Tarvarius Moore. And I'm looking like, no, you don't need to put Tavarius Moore at safety. Let him continue to develop at corner unless the move is permanent. Now, if the move is permanent, then I think they addressed the offseason totally wrong with the cornerback position because there are a lot of question marks. You signed uh, Jason Verrett, who I think when he was healthy, he was one of the top corners in the league. Well, the issue is he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been healthy at all. He's played a total of what, five games over the last three years. So you have that issue. You have uh, an aging Richard Sherman who last year, was, like he said, he's playing on one leg. Now, will he be better this year? Man, I hope so. I hope so. That'll help the whole defense tremendously. Well, they didn't target him anyways, but hopefully he plays better. He looks better. All right, that'll be, you know, but he is getting a little bit older now. And then you have a Keller Witherspoon who has been you know, he's had these up and down moments. So there's a lot of question marks. So if it were me and I was drafting and I had any thought in my mind that I might move to our various more to safety, I'm drafting a cornerback high. And they didn't do that. And we'll see how it plays out. But how, how do you guys feel about playing someone at a position in the NFL that they've never played in their life? I think that's kind of weird. And- I guess we'll just see how that plays out, but kind of want to touch on that. The whole Tarverius Moore thing. We'll see. Keep a close eye on that. Want more great NFL content. This is Kyle Madsen, co-host of the candlestick chronicles podcast. Check out my podcast and other NFL podcasts on the network by searching blue wire and iTunes, Spotify and other podcast players. So really this podcast episode was supposed to be about receivers. All right. So I I had tweeted out some clips of Jair Alexander. I was watching him one morning. I'm like, man, he had a very impressive game against the L.A. Rams. I almost called the St. Louis Rams, but the Los Angeles Rams. And I also, you know, just going through and watching, I saw a clip of Devontae Adams. And, and if you guys haven't been following it, well, most of you guys follow the podcast account. I had also tweeted out some clips of Devontae Adams like two weeks ago. And I'm like, man, this dude's pretty good, man. He's pretty good. Well, th- there was one clip I posted, and he, you know, had like a 40-something yard gain on Marcus Peters, and I kind of just explained, like, you know, what he did, how he kind of got open, and it was like, I had tweeted something along the lines of, I have Devontae Adams figured out. I see why he's so good, right? And people like, what does it mean you figured it out, blah, blah. I'm like, <laughs> I understand what makes him good, and he's a master at getting defensive backs to stop their feet. That that's what his whole game is predicated on. Almost like basketball. Alright. He he's really playing basketball at the line of scrimmage and doing whatever he can after that, all these little intricate detailed things that he does to create more separation. Because he's not a burner, but he's definitely fast enough. And he uses these little things to create more separation. So he you I posted clips of him doing a half step. Alright? And for anybody that doesn't know what a half step is, Basically, you're running and it's almost like a stutter, but it is like you're about to stutter. Like, so if you can do, if you're running and then act like, oh, I'm about to stutter, and then you go, that's kind of what a half step looks like. That's the best way I can describe it. And what it does is, by the time the receiver does his half step and starts going again, the DB stops his feet because he has to respect it. So I, he has to respect the looks like a stutter. He has to respect the half-step. Well, by the time he reacts to the half-step, the receiver is going again. So it just creates more separation, especially if you give like a little little chicken wing like Devontae Adams did to Marcus Peters. Well, I had a bunch of people, it was an awesome clip, but I had a bunch of people saying, top five receiver, top five receiver, top five receiver. I I think maybe the Green Bay Packers fans got a hold of the, the, the tweet. Well, I'm like, okay, well, if he's in your top five, What is your top five? And I got, you know, a bunch of different answers. Uh, Well, none of the answers have Mike Evans. And to me, I think Mike Evans is a top five receiver. I'll tell you in a little bit exactly where I have him. But none of the receivers that they listed was Mike Evans. So I said, man, I went to my main account and I said, man, this one receiver is being kind of disrespected. But I want to know where everybody, you know, what is the consensus Twitter top 10 receivers. So I I did this thing where, you know, I used a little Twitter polls thing, which is pretty great tool. And I basically took percentages and it helped me. uh, I I basically put together this little formula of kind of identifying who Twitter thinks the top 10 receivers are. And I, and I listed, I put 16 different guys. So uh, along the 16, we were going to figure out who's in the top ten because everybody can't be in the top ten, all right? So I'll start who with the guys who did not get voted into the top ten. Stefan Diggs. He barely did not make the top ten. Brandon Cooks. I think he has been very good, very consistent, and each team he's been on, he's won over 1,000 yards. He's also from Stockton. But um, Brandon Cooks is playing extremely well, but – he was someone that people didn't feel was in the top ten. Amari Cooper. He had two awesome um, first years, or his first two years were awesome. Third year was a little down. Fourth year, it was heading down, and then he got traded to the Cowboys, and they picked back up, but still didn't go over a 1,000 yards. He didn't make the top ten. T.Y. Hilton. That one was, he's it's debatable. Juju Smith. Now, now people might not want to put Juju Smith in the top 10 because maybe he hasn't done it long enough, in their opinion, but his first two years are pretty damn impressive, <laughs> all right? Um, and we'll get to Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster, history, right? And then you have A.J. Green. And, you know, he's been kind of banged up. His numbers have kind of gone down. I think he's kind of just been a little bit more regular, so I can see how he's not in the top 10. So those guys were not in Twitter's Top 10. And, and each guy had like anywhere between 400 and 700 votes. So people were really voting on this stuff. And Stefan Diggs, Brandon Cooks, Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, Juju Smith Schuster, A.J. Green did not make the top 10. So let's go to the top 10. It starts off with Adam Thielen, Minnesota Vikings receiver. So that, that was kind of interesting, Adam Thielen over Stefan Diggs, but. When you look at the numbers over the last two years, he has been a little bit more uh, productive. Now, is Adam Thielen eating because he has digs on his team? Are teams focusing more on digs, making Thielen eat more? I don't know, but they have him there. At number nine, Keenan Allen. Now, th- this is really cool because Keenan Allen, It looked like his career was on a downhill slide. Um, he had... Played. I mean, we. we I, I talked about um, uh, Verrett, right? So Jason Verrett, he's missed, I don't know how many games Verrett missed in the last. He's only played five games over the last three years. Well, Keenan Allen had a stretch very, 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 very similar to that. He, he missed a lot of games over like a two or three year span. And the last two years, he's come back to go over a thousand yards in each season and have like a ton of catches. So Keelan Allen's at nine. At number eight. The guy I feel is getting disrespected, Mike Evans. And it's like, the dude has been in the league for five years. Every year, he's caught for over 1,000 yards. I mean, he's dominating. Last year, he had, like, 1,500 yards. He's catching all these touchdowns. I mean, he's catching passes from Jameis Winston, which is, like, a gift and a curse. Because sometimes he's on, sometimes he's not. Is he stealing crab legs? Is he sucking on his fingers? That was really weird. I, I don't know. But anyways, Mike Evans, he has to deal with that guy, but... Twitter has him at number eight. Tyreek Hill. Now, now this one, Tyreek Hill. This one was very interesting because uh, people voted him in the top ten, and and based on the votes, he he landed at number seven. But there were a large group of people that like hated him, like they they legit they were calling him a pos, basically like a piece of All All right, um, they were saying he should be in jail. And you know he's going through the whole thing with his, his, you know, his son broke his arm and they're saying he did it, so, you know, abusing his child and punching him in the chest, all these different things. So Tyreek Hill, he's going through that. And Twitter, yeah, they definitely were in my mentions and they let me hear it about him. But even then, he landed at number seven. At number six, Devontae Adams. Now everybody's telling me he was top five. He's close. Twitter has him at number six, Devontae Adams, all right? So I, I think that's a good spot for him, but he hasn't been as productive as other guys. Now, where he is productive and why I think he's a top-ten receiver, he scores a ton of touchdowns. Now, is that because A-Rod? No, I, I, I just watched a ton of film on him, and it, it's his ability. Now, can he become more consistent? He's gotten better every year. If he continues that, upward uh, trajectory, really good. Number five, Michael Thomas. Now, Mike Thomas can't guard Mike. He's catching from one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league. and I mean, high volume. He's kind of one of the big slot guys. Definitely plays outside as well um, in two receiver sets. But Mike Mike Thomas, man, the fact that he dropped to the second round, I'll never get that. Clearly was a wide receiver one to me, 6'3", 215, uh, ran well at his pro day, not so much at the combine. But they were trying to say he was raw and he couldn't learn a playbook. Well, he's learning whatever the hell Drew Brees is telling him to do. So, Mike Thomas. So now you get to the top four. And, again, these are Twitter votes, all right? At four, Antonio Brown. I think should be number one, but, hey, whatever do score like 15 16 touchdowns last year like literally scored 16 touchdowns um so antonio brown Odell Beckham at 3 I'm a big Odell Beckham guy people ask me who's your favorite receiver in the league to watch it is Odell Beckham I he hasn't been that productive guy over the last 2 years so it's kind of hard for me to keep him in the top 5 Based on that, which is hard for me not to because I am an Odell guy, but, you know, he got injured last year. still went, had 1,000 yards, but he got hurt, didn't finish the year. The year before that got hurt, um, so I it's kind of hard for me to have him at three, but I think just based on talent alone, yes. Based on productive production and, and consistency, no. Well, outside of his first few years. I, I'm really just talking about the last two years because – Going into this year, I'm talking about, like, what have you done in the last year or two? At number two, Julio Jones. And some gripes I've heard about him kind of disappears in big moments. Uh, You know, empty stats. Uh, You know, he had Kyle Shanahan inflate his numbers a little bit. I think one year he had, like, 136 catches. Uh, The last two years, over 3,000 receiving yards, over uh, 2,000—I mean, over 3,000 receiving yards, over 200 catches— so, I mean, dude, this production is there. And at one, DeAndre Hopkins, and, and I think out of everybody on this list, he's had like the worst quarter, quarterback uh, situation. He's had to catch passes from Savage and Whedon, and I mean, God, Brian Hoyer. I mean, his, uh, Brock Iswa- Brock Iswa- Oswaller. His quarterback situation has been trash. So, yeah, kudos to DeAndre Hopkins for, I mean, he, Twitter voting him number one. I think he's up there. Um, definitely top five. He, he plays strong. Big hands. Catches everything. Man, just physical. Like, the, the, the way he plays, he just does his job. Like, I don't even know if the dude talks. But... So that's what Twitter came up with as far as the top 10. You got DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, Mike Thomas, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, and Adam Thielen. Now, now, real quick, I, w- I want to run through my my uh, top 10 list before I get to the Back segment. All right, at number one, I have Antonio Brown. It's like, how do you not have him there? I don't care about all this offseason stuff. The dude's balling. Like I said, like 16 touchdowns last year. Like that's not normal, <laughs> all right. At two, Julio Jones way too productive. In these stats, maybe, but I mean the dude six three two twenty faster than everybody runs great routes, um, big body. Uh, and is one of the most productive receivers in the league every year. So you gotta go Julio Jones. At three, I got DeAndre Hopkins. At four, I got Mike Evans. So I got Mike Evans at four. Everybody else has Mike Evans at seven. Um, I mean, it's not a huge drop off, but, and some of these other guys can be argued, you know, to go in that spot. But Mike Evans to me, I mean, he's coming off of a great year. Again, his quarterback situation is like one week he was playing with Fitzpatrick. Next week he was playing with Suck on My Fingers guy, uh, Mike uh, uh, Winston, James Winston. Uh, next week he's playing with Fitzmagic again. Next week he's playing back with St- Stealing Crab Legs guy. James Winston. All right, so that's a tough situation, but even then, sixty, uh, what fifteen hundred yards and all these catches. So Mike Evans, man, big dog. I love his attitude. I love how he plays too. Like the dude, the dude doesn't take any plays off. All right, so um, at one, Antonio Brown. Two, Julio Jones. Three, DeAndre Hopkins. Four, Mike Evans. And then boom, five. I got Odell oh, yeah, Beckham. I could not drop him out of my top five. All right, six, Tyreek Hill. I just think he's. People look at him as a gadget player he's not a gadget player he's just a player they want to get the ball in his hands so as a receiver he's tremendous he's a tremendous receiver he's the most explosive receiver uh with the ball in his hands it's like really incredible with how he does stuff and how fast he is I mean you have to respect that every single play it's pretty damn scary all right I wouldn't want to guard him all right so Tyreek Hilton at seven I got Mike Thomas at eight I got Juju Smith-Schuster now Juju wasn't even in uh, Twitter's top 10. Uh, He was in, like, that next tier. I don't remember exactly how low, but he was in that next tier. I got Juju Smith at eight. I mean, the dude has been balling since he came in the league. Now, did he get single coverage because of Antonio Brown? We'll see. We'll see. All right. But all I can go off of is how productive he was the last two years and he made some big plays and big time moments. He had a fumble in the big moment. I won't hold that too much against him. But Juju Smith-Schuster, man, I love the dude. Looks like he's having a ton of fun playing the game of football. Uh, at number nine, I got Devontae Adams. I, I I just think that he's he's coming. He's coming. He had a big year last year. He's caught a ton of touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers, and I, I think he's just going to continue to be that true number one guy. He can line up anywhere, inside, outside, run routes for everywhere. I mean, the way he sets up receivers, man, and defensive backs is a thing of beauty. All right. And uh, at 10, I got Adam Thielen, Mr. Cons- cons- consistent. And I like a good underdog story. Thielen's an underdog. Came from a small school. Made, you know, made the, 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 the Vikings team. I don't know if he was a practice squad for a little while or what, but he didn't have much opportunities the first two years. And then, boom, explodes on the scene. Balls next two years. Um, pretty sure he's going to get a big payday coming from like D2, D3 uh, college. I, I really like that story. And I think he's good, man, for what he is. He's a nice slot receiver. He can play outside, runs good routes, catches everything, um, does a good job, you know, cre- consistently getting separation. Uh, and he's a nice safety blanket for quarterback Kirk Cousins. So those are my guys in my top 10. And My next three guys I just don't have in my top 10, Cooks, Diggs, and Hilton. They very well could be in there. Let's get to this mailbag segment. All right, here we go. First question, mailbag segment. Don't you know sports? All right, that's his at name. Or at D underscore K sports. All right, don't 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 you know sports? Uh, that's a nice creative name, guy. All right, so um, how often do NFL receivers break opposite of their initial leverage? For example, a receiver running an in route usually gets inside leverage, restacks vertical, and then makes the break in. Isn't this a big tail? How often will receivers get outside leverage to break in? You know, it at lower levels it is a big tail. Typically at a lower level, you're talking about high school, you're talking about college. A lot of times if receiver gets inside leverage, I I, I can almost guarantee he's going inside. When well, NFL is not like that, because sometimes guys just take best release. Now what 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 best release is is even though I know I want to go out, if you're heavily guarding like out and you're, you know, you're shaded outside leverage, I'm just going to take an inside release, give you something at the top, and then break out. And you get that a lot in the NFL. So, um, lower levels, yeah, it's a dead giveaway, and it happens a lot more often, more times than not. NFL, you really, as a defensive back, have to play an honest because they'll definitely go inside just to go out. Or they'll go outside and still come back in underneath for a slant. You watch um, Amari Cooper versus Titans. Man, dude was giving Malcolm Butler the blues. Outside release. Uh, uh, Come back underneath, inside. Wide open, slant, catch. Mm, Give me that. So, yeah. NFL, you definitely, as a defensive back, you have to play honest. All right, next question. Marco underscore football. Uh, does a killer Witherspoon? This is for another question. Does a Witherspoon have what it takes to start and be a legit on the opposite of Uncle Sherm? He said he's been focusing on the small details, which I think are important to him, uh, important for him. He has the athleticism, but he's focused on details in the classroom where he needs them work. He needs work. I kind of butchered that question, but you guys kind of get it. It's a really long question. A weather Witherspoon. I I think he's. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, his biggest issue with his technique was just inconsistency. He's a really long athletic cornerback, 6'3", really long arms. Uh, he has really good feet. So that that's my thing. A lot of times when you see big cornerbacks and they're inconsistent with, uh, you know, the technique and stuff like that, it's because they don't always have the ability. They don't have the best feet. Well, this uh, one doesn't have that issue. He has amazing feet. So with him it's just trusting your technique, and some things I heard that was very disturbing, very disturbing. Um, I was watching um, this YouTube with Adrian Colbert, and not I'm not trying to throw him under the bus. So don't nobody tag him. And oh, Eric Crocker said this, but this is what he said. All right, with the last coach Jeff Halfley, they didn't really focus on a lot of technique and footwork. Where with the new defensive back coach, uh Joe Woods, is Joe Woods, right? Woods, um, they just got him from the Broncos, they work a ton on footwork, hand placement, things like that, which you would think that they would have been doing that, but I guess they haven't. And to me that's a big part of, you know, as to why some of these guys maybe haven't been progressing as well as they should. Especially guys have who have showed that they can play. So I, I hope that Woods can be you know, really big impact on Akela Witherspoon and some of these other young guys who I think are kind of talented. I like Emmanuel Mosley and there's some other guys too. So Um, to answer your question, yes, I I think that he can be a solid uh, cornerback star opposite Richard Sherman, but it's going to, you know, come down to is he focusing on the little things, just like you said. All right, next question from uh, Renato Persimio. Persimio. I don't know how to say that but uh so I love pro football focus, but their secondary grading seems super inconsistent. Have you looked into how they do their grading? If you were doing it, what would you do differently? Also, Terraris Moore safety? Question mark. Uh, well I talked about Terrarious Moore at safety. Uh I, I, I like it. I think that is what's best for him. It was just where they drafted him and then how they've addressed um the secondary with that's what I have the biggest issue with. And we're talking about the 49ers here, guys. All right. That, that's where I have the biggest issue with. You dropped him in the play corner, and then the way that you addressed it was you, you addressed the position as if he was going to stay there, and you moved him. I, I have an issue with that. But I don't, have a, I don't have an issue with him playing safety, because I do think that's where he should be. All right. As far as pro football focus, I have to read back through my messages. I, I do have DMs from a couple guys. Um one guy being David Newman, and they, they, they've they told me about how they do it. Now, what I'm used to is a football, more of a football way, all right? So this is going to kind of bring back some memories to a lot of guys that play football or currently play, and they listen to the podcast. But the NFL, college, they, they do grading a little bit different. They typically do, you know, every play. You watch every play that you that you were in, and you kind of just put a plus or a minus. If you did your job and your technique was on pl- point and all that, you put a plus. If you didn't do your job and all that, you do a minus. Well, pro football, they weigh he- more heavily on, they use more of a production uh, chart, all right? So I- I- I've seen both with my college, but it- it- production charts don't really tell the whole story because I can go, you know, 90% of a game, not getting targeted and doing my job every play and locking my guy up, and then I get targeted and give up a big play, and now all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm getting dinged. Oh, and then I got a flag on another play, and now I'm getting dinged again, and now all of a sudden, my coverage grade is extremely poor, when really, it's like, dude, 90% of the plays, I've been locking this dude up. and these In these two plays here, I gave up a, play, a catch, and the flag, and all of a sudden my coverage grade is dinged. Now I could be wrong, but I think that's kind of what's going on there. I'll look more into it and I, into it, and I'll address that on uh, uh, on another episode. All right, and now the last uh, mailbag segment question: What's your top five young DBs in the league? First three seasons. All right, so guys in their first three seasons. Now for one, I I don't know if he well. Jalen Ramsey, gotta gotta say him. So that's, that's going to be number one, for sure. Um, I'm going to throw Marshawn Lattimore in there. I'm going to throw in there uh, Tredavious White, who I'm really high on. Now, these are all cornerbacks who I've mentioned so far. Uh, then let's go, uh, you got to go Jamal Adams, who's a baller. If you ever have a chance to like really just watch all 22 or just watch some like highlights of just how he plays the game. Young young DBs just watch Jamal Adams. Watch how Jamal Adams plays the game. And it's 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 pretty cool. It's pretty cool to watch. And then uh Derwin Davis. Or Derwin, yeah, Derwin Davis. Uh the Chargers Safety. That's another one. I mean I'm leaving oh man, I'm leaving off Denzel Ward, uh Mika Fitzpatrick, uh Jair Alexander. Oh man, now I gotta throw Alexander in there. Let me take off, I'll take off Tredavious White. I got to throw Alexander in there. All right, so, yeah. that's I, I named more than five guys, but <laughs> those are going to be my guys. All right, but um, that's it for the uh, mailbag segment. And that's going to do it for tonight's show. Next week, I hope to have one of my buddies on. He's a college coach, also a former uh, defensive back. He's going to have a lot of good things to talk about and you know, discuss his whole recruiting thing and just the whole coaching life talk to me about all that all right um also be sure to subscribe rate and review i'm getting the listens i'm not getting the rates or the reviews all right so i need that part of it too and uh shoot, check in right here next tuesday on press coverage podcast